Yo, 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 back, episode 11, Shoot the Shit Podcast, I'm lying with me, my homie lying with me, Ryan Shotgun, lying what's happening? Uh, nothing much, man, there's a lot, lot to digest between the end of the postseason and getting ready for the draft and whatnot, so yeah, yeah, let's get to it. Yeah, all right, so I figured we start with the um the hot topic of the day, uh, Kawhi Leonard uh, requesting a trade. With San Antonio, San Antonio Spurs today, so um, probably the first thought is that so welcome to the rest of the NBA, San Antonio. I mean, it was the first time they experienced something like this, but this is pretty much what every every other team, the twenty nine other teams, had to deal with at some yeah. point or another. So yeah, well, you know, welcome to the future. <laughs> um, secondly. If of all the players they've had that you would thought would probably request a trade in, man, it's probably the least likely <laughs> to be so adamant with it. So just so I guess you know, straight to the point with it. So I I'll pass it on to you, Lane, get your thoughts on it. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Um if I were to make the parallel between uh football and basketball, now that's about a two year difference, but People often talk about the Patriot way, and it's kind of been this parallel with the Spurs, you know, mm-hmm. these dynasties, a, a longevity with postseason success, a very smart coach, a successful coach anchored by a superstar um, that tend to do things the right way and to have this certain method of, you know, not a lot of drama guys that all buy into the bottom line and take one for the team. And, and that has worked for the Spurs for, you know, the greater part of uh, almost two decades. But like you said, at some point, you know, things run their course. And it was like, you know, they, they've been to like consecutive postseasons pretty much since the year they drafted Tim Duncan, the year after they drafted Tim Duncan, they've made the playoffs every year since then, which is, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, unheard of. They're the only team to make consecutive playoffs for since what the '97, '98, twenty-one years. Campaign. So it's like the only people they've been competing with are themselves as far as longevity and success. And obviously, you know, you got the Warriors kind of doing their thing in a different way. But you're right. You never hear about controversy really with the Spurs. They usually they usually sign a certain type of guy. You know, a certain type of character guy. They all play defense. They all run stuff a certain way. And even when they first got Kawhi, you know, most people didn't really know who he was coming out of San Diego State. So he was more like, I won't call him a role player, but, you know, he was more nondescript until he had that breakout party in the finals a couple years, you know, five years back, four or five years back. So it's like, I think because of the social media age that we're in, and the rumor mill is 24-7. I think that has contributed to this problem more than it really is because it's like, all right, he gets injured by Zaza last year, which which altered the complexion of the postseason, and that's a whole other topic. Um, but when he first came back in the beginning of the season, I was surprised that he was ready. And clearly he rushed it because – you know, I, he clearly rushed it. So in his mind, he's thinking, I'm in the year, last year of a contract coming up. 
I'm not going to risk my financial future to rush an injury again, which was smart. Everybody kind of balked at it. And, but the messed up part is his organization balked at it too. Like, it's one thing for everybody on the outside to be chiming. But, you know, when the coaches and players are leaving certain remarks and putting the pressure on him to come back, like, if the man ain't ready, he ain't ready. And it ain't like this is some Derrick Rose type stuff. But, they're their own investment. So if he does this admirable act, comes back and, and blows his leg or something and can never play again, he ain't eating off of that. It's an admirable thing, but that's not making him any money. So this is the business side. You know, it's always okay when the ownership lets go of a player when they hit a certain age or when they get past a certain point in their physical prime. But God forbid a player want to look out for themselves. Now you're the villain, kind of like with the whole super team thing, you know, when um, LeBron and Dwayne and them got together. Oh, this isn't right. This is collusion. Owners collude all the time. Owners had the leverage all the time. They took the leverage and used it as players. And I kind of feel like Kawhi did the same thing. So it's like I, I, I had no problems with what he did. Obviously, that ain't my home team. So am I saying that differently if Embiid does it? Actually, I wouldn't. Because we've experienced things in a different way here. I'm like, if a dude ain't ready, he ain't ready. And if your team is nice, you should be able to do next man up. So it's like, so it's like on the one hand, people always credit the Spurs for building these teams and, you know, crediting Pop with his coaching skills and our, and Buford for his GM skills. If y'all, if he, if they're gonna get the credit for that, they should be able to move without skipping the beat, even if Kawhi is out. So if y'all going to throw it on him and say, oh, well, they need him. Now, which one is it? You know, are they nice that they can move on with it? Or or is it more on the player? I mean, it's really a combination of both. But I'm just trying to make a point here. In past years, that team would have been fine missing the Kawhi Leonard. But this ain't the same Spurs team. See, people still going off that name brand recognition. But you had an old Tony Parker that barely played last year. And he's back. He was back this year. And we talked about this earlier this year. That roster ain't what it used to be. Like, fine, you got a Gasol, but it's an old Gasol. You had Rudy Gay, fine. Um, you know, I had that young guy um, on the tip of my tongue. Murray. Right, Murray. But this ain't like before when you had a stacked team where, you know, Duncan, Prime Ginobili, Prime Parker. This ain't the same thing. So it's like you got a team of decent, okay guys, and now you were like hinging it all on Kawhi. It ain't worked. So you got to figure something else out. They could have traded for somebody midseason or made another move to kind of bolster the lineup since he ain't ready yet. But I just thought it was messed up to kind of put all this pressure on him. And then you got like Ginobili and, and um, Parker talking out of turn in public by their own teammate, whether it was in jest or not, you don't do that. So I'm just like, at this point, he had no choice but to you know cut, cut ties. He ain't want nothing to do with them. I do think his handlers have a lot to do with it too, but it's just like everything that could have went wrong went wrong with them. They totally botched the situation. And I'm like, hey, that's what he decided. That's what he decided. So now we get to see, you know, where he goes. Yeah. And that's the kind of like set the scenario up and how everything played out. And like you said, it kind of led to the perfect storm of things. Like outside of like the the year they won, won a chip, and probably like two other years, um, the year one defensive player of the year, the two years one defensive player of the year, and 
he was like top three in the MVP voting. He's been hurt. Yeah. So he had the one quad injury on the, on the other leg, on his left leg. Mm-hmm. Then he gets he gets this one hurt on his right leg, on his right leg. So there was already some apprehension on his part about you know how the Spurs medical staff kind of handled things. Yeah. And then this been he's come up with a a situation where he's looking for a big payday eventually. And he was already reluctant going with the Spurs staff and how they handle everything. It was only right for him to seek, you know, outside opinion or second opinion. It's a smart thing to do. You know, it would have been he would have been, you know, negligent if he didn't take that route because everything that was kind of rotten on things. The problem, like you alluded to, was that a lot of the things that the Spurs were able to keep in-house probably, for, probably in the past, they weren't able to. And and that can't be solely pinned on, like you mentioned, like Kawhi and his handlers, which is like, man, like his uncle and his people. The cats like Tony Park and Manu Ginobili were talking. Pop was saying, you no, know, no, Pop has always been outspoken, but I think he didn't, he didn't have the same leverage in this situation that he may have had before in the past. Mm-hmm. So a lot of him saying the things that he said eventually came back to bite him, bite him in the ass eventually because it was all setting the stage, you know, the latest, see, the plan to see the discontent within the, within the franchise. And then, like, the whole situation, I remember reading the report that Ramona Shelburne at ESPN had kind of talking about everything, which she eventually... You know, she tried you know, to uh, speak to Kuala and he started to talk and he was saying pretty much laying it out, which is true, is that it's basically his word against the franchises where a franchise that has the benefit of doubt of 20 plus years of being this, you know, this top fight organization that ran a tight ship for all this time, regardless if they may have been wrong in this, t- this particular scenario. And then before he could elaborate any further, like the Spurs PR staff, you know, immediately interjected and kind of cut him off and stuff like that. So he, he's a person who already doesn't like to have the spotlight on him. Yeah. The one time he's has opportunity to kind of speak his piece and you know get his word in, he's cut off. Then so he's going to naturally, re, re, I guess, regress or go back to what he's used to or not, not speaking as much. Not either as handlers or the Spurs kind of speak for the situation, and then like if you put your, if you put yourself in his shoes, you can't you can't blame him. Twenty seven years old, prime of his career, you don't want to risk it. Like one false move, you you can either be like you like you mentioned, Derek Rose, or you can kind of write write this shit, get things right, and be like you know Russell Westbrook. For, you know what I mean, moving forward. Meaning, you know, Russell Westbrook had a couple injuries back-to-back mm-hmm. that if they weren't handled the right way, it, it could win another way for him. Yeah. And he was, you know, virtually indestructible up to that point. Yep. Then, you know what I mean, now everything is settled back in, but it's all about controlling the narrative. That's what everything is about right now with the social media age, the internet, everything. Is who can control the narrative, you know, the, in the best way they possibly can. He's doing it the best way he can. The Spurs doing it the best way they can. But again, it came at the bite them in the long run. And now they got to figure out, they got to scramble around and get the best best deal possible. 
they're going to be patient with the situation. Like you said, the type of organization they are, they're going to be patient. But they have not as much leverage they may have before in the past with other players. Nah. There's one year left on his contract, he can opt out before he can opt out. So you can pretty much control where he wants to go by simply saying that if I'm traded here, I'm not going to resign. Right. But so many teams won't be willing to roll the dice, no, give up any assets or worth yep. to roll the dice for basically one year running. Yep. Yep. So that kind of shrinks the amount of teams that can do it. And then on top of that, with with the way the salary cap is, you know, incrementally moving up this year, it's kind of flattening out for the most part. Not too many kid, not too many teams are going to have any cap space flexibility to try to do anything where they could, you know, potentially sign them outright in a year or two, whatever the case may be, or then even have to trade assets right. to kind of move around to kind of free up any space to kind of bring Kawhi in, and then. On top of that, having to add sets that the Spurs gonna actually want to take back in that type of retreat. So that kind of limits everything to a handful of teams. And then you look at the teams that pretty much are in the driver's seat right now, currently, the Celtics, the Sixers, the obvious, obvious teams. Um, the Lakers, of course, which is one of the teams that the uh Adrian Wojnarowski kind of mentioned that he's looking at in the Clippers as well as another Los Angeles team since that's his hometown teams. Right, right. So um the point to you being you're a Sixers fan, what are your thoughts on like the Sixers perspective? And I'm gonna kind of lay out a scenario for you. So like I once traced you know I seen all out there for the Sixers of like um Fultz, Sarge Covington, I'm drawing bills for like salary filler and like the, uh, the number 10 pick in this year's draft. Kind of like the framework for a deal for like the. Yeah, the, yeah. So, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, see, there's a few things that kind of, I ain't gonna say frustrate me, but it's like, I've, I've kind of talked about this in the past with, with the Warriors. Like, I feel like. People give them too much respect, which is part of how they they have this edge because, like, a lot of the stuff's already mental. So half these teams are already intimidated by the Warriors going in. I kind of feel like people are giving the Spurs too much respect with regards to trade. Just by what you mentioned, here you have a guy in the last year of his contract that wants out. All the trade scenarios I keep seeing is giving up too much. Like, why would we give up a top ten pick? And two or three star, uh, two or three starters. I'm just calling Fultz a starter because he probably would be next year. Why would you give up three men and a draft pick for one guy? Ka- Kawhi Leonard makes 21 million next year. 21 million. He's in the last year of his contract. Why would you give up that much for that? Like the Spurs aren't in a position to be calling that many uh, players in this deal. They'd be lucky if they get the top ten. I can give you one. You get top ten pick plus maybe a Dario or a top 10 pick plus a false or maybe two of them. But it's like, I wouldn't be giving up Sarge and Covington and the top 10 pick this dude in the last year, his contract. And, and yeah. they're in a, they're in a, they're in a desperate, I'm not going to call him a desperate seller because technically you could keep him the whole year and wait till all-star break or something else. But it's like, 
I don't think the Sixers should give up too much for him because of the injury bug. Like, if he's healthy, if this was a healthy Kawhi in the same scenario, I have no problems gambling on it. But because of the history of injuries, that's already a risk in itself. Regardless of the whether or not he would resign, there's a chance that he might not start the season with you or play. Forget 82 games because most guys don't. You know, can he get you at least 65, 70 games? That's a big if. So right there, to me, knocks the price down because it's like, well, I'm going to give you all this. Like, Because right now at the top 10 pick, you might get a Bridges, whether it be Miles or Mikel. You get a decent guy in the top 10. Now, obviously, rookies don't really give you instant impact. So if you got the chance to get a LeBron or Paul George or Kawhi, you go for it. The difference is with the other two guys, that's free agency. That's free agency. So as long as you got the money to sign them, you could do it. Right now, the Sixers got money. They could sign one of those two guys outright if it came to it. So so to me, for us, since we actually are in play for other free agents, it ain't like we that desperate that we got to trade for them. But the reality is there's a good chance that you're not going to get LeBron because he go to Houston or that you don't get a Paul George because he goes to Los Angeles or somewhere else. But I don't think you need to be giving up like three guys and a top 10 pick for one dude that says he wants out. I think it's too much. But here's a, here's a play devil's advocate with that situation. It's like, you got it this way. Mark Fultz and Sarwich are still in rookie deals. Well, yeah, Fultz makes $8 million. Sarwich makes two. So that's $10 million right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Covington. And Covington think so. at uh, $10 think million. Got three think so. that's think so. $20 million for those three and versus Kawhi's 21 Yeah, so you're going to have to, like, and that's part of bringing a bail yeah. in situation. Right. Right. Salaries match up. So that's the first thing. Secondly, even though he can opt out, you know, opt out or whatever, the Spurs still don't have to rush the situation. No, nah, they don't. They don't. Then on top of that, you know, there's going to be other teams we making a bid for them as well. Yeah, like Boston. And they got our other pick. Like Boston, like the Lakers, like the Clippers. So that's going to be – it's not a situation where – You'll be dealing with, you know, dealing for them in a vacuum. Like you're not only like you're competing against yourself. Well, that makes that makes sense. But let me say this now: sometimes it's a little different in basketball than in football. But ideally, if you got a caliber player like that, you want to trade him outside your conference. Like if you the Spurs, you don't want to give him to the Lakers or Clippers. You rather send him east, and then at that point, it's between us and Boston. Now Boston does have a stockpile of picks because Danny Ainge is a hoarder. But I did see like Jalen Brown's name come up, um, you know, and guys like that. Although I'm like, if they can, they need to keep Tatum and Brown. Obviously, Smart would be the odd man out. But but all I'm saying is I do get the salary matchup part. I just don't want to give up too much because then it's like you're breaking even. Like if you give up them three guys plus a draft pick and you get a Kawhi, well, now you're kind of going backwards because some of them complimentary players, like outside of Embiid and Simmons, you know, let's say you do re-sign Reddick, which I think they do, and you got a couple of the um, Euro, Euro shooters, now you're kind of in a vacuum because now you just got Kawhi. Now you got to – who else are you adding? But but let's, but let's, let's again, think about it. Pete Kawhi is substantially better than 
all four of those players you'll be giving up. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Saul, Sarich, you know, the, the pick, sure. Jared Bayless, Robert Cutting, whoever you want to throw in. He's substantially, significantly better oh, sure. than all those players. But that's also, on top, also on top of that, you're filling a position in need and it's an upgrade. If you look at that, go back to the Boston series. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing that hindered them during that series had absolutely nobody to guard Jason Tatum. Right. And we didn't have another scoring option either. So. And they didn't have another scoring option. The person who can create for themselves. Create for themselves. That's right. No, no. killing two birds with one stone with that one play. Peak, you're so right. Peak Kawhi, though. That's why I'm like, to me, I got to come up with a percentage of what's the probability that we're still getting peak Kawhi healthy. You know, I'm, I'm saying peak assigning that with health, not his skill set, but his health. Here's, here's the other thing, the other caveat. If any team will be aware and be capable of assessing his value, it'll be the Sixers because when Kawhi has been working out on his own mm-hmm. in New York, you know, at the, uh, the facility for the Players Association, yeah, one of the people has been working out with is one of the trainers on the, on the Sixers staff. Uh, and also, he's been in recent contact with Monty, with Monty Williams. Yeah, who was a Spurs assistant. Right. And then Brett Brown got the Spurs connection, too. That's yes, one Brown's aspect a- of this that could work, you know, if they still got them connections with, with the Spurs. If anybody, maybe they do us a solid before somebody else, since this is part of the Spurs family. But I don't know how it goes with this, because this ain't the ideal situation. So, And then here's the biggest question mark with the whole situation you know, involving the Sixers, they still don't have a GM. No, but for right now, you got Brett Brown until, I think part, honestly, it's like somebody was mentioning, now Monty Williams did have some back office, front office experience when he was with the Spurs. They brought him in as assistant coach. I don't know who they're going to get um, as a GM, but they do have at least some basketball guys in the interim. Um but if you are working it out with the Spurs, at least you do have Brett as the acting GM for now. Yeah, but you're still working at a deficit because because you've seen how it's worked out in the past when you have you know the, the head coach being solely responsible of yeah. uh, I guess where everything is going to court, but where everything is going to the front office as well. Yeah, you know, like, where, like like Stan Van <laughs> Van Gundy. Yeah, just to name the two most recent examples. Yeah, so. So it's like who would say what's too much when you're getting a, a potential top three player? Yeah. When you automatically, you automatically significantly remember this is a 50 win team last year, right? Adding to the full, you're automatically significantly better than you was last year. Oh, absolutely, especially on defense. Especially on yeah. defense, <laughs> yeah. defense wasn't you know, defense wasn't a thing that wasn't a hole, it was just it was. Something that needed to be tweaked because it was kind of exposed in the Celtics series, but right. they were top four defense last oh, yeah. year. I'm saying you got a you got an all all NBA defensive guy in Embiid, and Simmons ain't no slouch either on defense. Yeah, and a two time defensive player of the year in the fold. Yeah, he's yeah. only 27. He's in the prime of his. Yeah, I mean, if trust me, if they can make the deal, I'm like make the deal. Obviously, I'm not the GM, but hey, if they can make the deal for him, to me, I still say go LeBron first. Even though Kawhi is younger, you know, it's it's, it's kind of like the time thing. Like, 
if you did get a LeBron, it's really a two to three year window, realistically, before his prime, before his physicality starts to decline. Whereas, like you said, Kawhi is 26, 27. So that's his upside is his his upside is his youth, but his downside is his injury history. Whereas LeBron is older, but don't get injured as much. It, it just pause for a second. Think how crazy that sounds. Like LeBron was in his 15th year. And you still said he still has like another two, three years. Yeah. No, that's, three. <laughs> that's crazy, man. Yeah. Like the bionic man. <laughs> yeah. Somebody in the 15th season still has that much of a window still left in his prime, but yeah. I digress from there. So, that, so that's kind of taking us another step further. Sure. The whole Lakers situation. Yeah. One of the prime teams. What are your yeah. thoughts with that? I, you know, I kind of feel like, um, I mean, you have to go back to a couple things. I think certain brand names always get deference. I kind of think that a lot of the times you hear these lists, they ain't real lists. It's the reporters drumming up these lists. Like, for example, the LeBron sweepstakes, while the season was still going on, it was between four teams, including Cleveland. So you had three other teams. Now every other day you're seeing potential seven teams, potential nine teams he could go to. It ain't nowhere close to these nine teams. They're just trying to draw up interest in discussion. That, and this is why I mentioned the Lakers. The Lakers, the Knicks, those are your legacy franchises. So the media and the league is always going, the, the basketball community is always going to try to keep the legacy franchises relevant by name. Even in years where the Lakers or Knicks are nowhere close to contenders, people still mention their names in the beginning of the year as far as contenders or possible landing spots for people. If you recall the first time LeBron left, um, the, f the first time he left and also the second time when he came back to Cleveland, it was talk about the Knicks. Oh, the Knicks are clearing space in case they get LeBron. It was never going to be the Knicks. That was never a target. But they always get mentioned as far as any discussion. The Lakers are years behind everyone else um, from a development standpoint. Now, obviously, if you if they if they fast tracked and added, you know, a LeBron and a Kawhi or a Paul George and a Kawhi or or Paul George and a LeBron, instantly you become better. But that still ain't beating no Golden State, if we be honest, because you'd have those two guys and then a bunch of, um, you know, assuming they keep Ingram. I don't know how that will work with the with the space and the figures, but that's not a real list. Like LeBron, if, if LeBron's looking to win, that's that's more of a development project. If Kawhi is still looking to win, that's a development project. And obviously the home the hometown thing might be something for Le, uh, for Kawhi, but the Lakers ain't no major player. But here's the thing. This is why this is why this is why I disagree with you with it because it makes sense outside what the media says. Like on top of the Lakers being that that legacy franchise, so to speak, because they're the Lakers. I mean, you admit it. You know, was it 16, 17 championships? Yeah, yeah. Got Magic in the front office now, stuff like that. On top of the assets that they have. They actually have a plan, have a plan in place, and kind of been building to this type of situation, where they have flexibility when a situation arises like this, when a Kawhi Leonard comes up, 
they have the the capability as far-fetched as it may sound like i know before you know, I know you've probably seen the memes all over you know you know twitter and, and that for the past couple of years but they're actually realistically in a situation where they could flip what they have now and bring in all three of those big players on, that, that are in the market this this time around mm-hmm. and it's not like a pipe dream with someone you know photoshopping you know a lakers jersey and some cats or whatever right like even before like the quad news break like it was always realistically a scenario where they could flip a trick you know what i mean take some of the assets they have bring in a play and still have cat flexibility to sign two max players on top of that so i agree with you i agree with you from the standpoint if it's just a paul george and a lebron or I mean, they do have money. Like their oh, yeah. salary is Lou all day right now. I mean, that's their highest salary, so they're well yeah. under that. They got a lot, yeah. of money, but they said they could sign two. Even with if they just stretch Lou all day, they still could sign two max players. Yeah, yeah. If they, 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 were, if they were to take some assets and get his book contract of the books and like renounce like a Julius Randle stuff like that, they can add in a, a third player. So now, yeah. would, would this be keeping Ingram? Would they keep Ingram if they do this, or do they have to move him? So this is the this is the things that I've seen, and it just it just knowing from off top that the three biggest assets are Ingram, Kuzma, and Ball. So Julius Randle is a restricted free agent. Um, some a lot of players they signed like this past year or whatever, or like on one year deals. Like for example, you know, Katavis Caldwell Pope he was only signed to a one year deal. Yeah, so they have. So just outside of everything else, they have cap room to sign two max free agents. Like if just they say, you know what, we're not going to resign Julius Randle, and we're not going to sign any other free agents that we have, they can sign two players just off the top right there. Mm-hmm. So now in any type of trade scenario, if they want to add a third player, you got any two of the three big names to kind of start from a framework. So any of the two to three young cats, you got another young cat that can play in Josh Hart. They got in the trade that they made with Cleveland, they had a Cleveland's draft pick this year. Oh yeah. So they got a draft pick they can throw in. And then if it's if if need be, you know, starting next year. Probably they can't probably can't trade next year's pick the 2019 pick. So pay like the 2020 first round. So they have enough that they want to go out and really you know you know shoot you know swing for the fences they can bring in a third guy then that's when a scenario like that bringing in like a, a paul george and lebron starts to make sense because like oh it's not just them two they're gonna bring in a third guy and then they actually compete with houston and go on state mm-hmm. but it's so many things that have to fall into place before that pipe dream to happen and this is actually the first domino for that something like that to happen. Well, right. So let's think of that scenario because even even with Kawhi, even with Kawhi um, being out a lot this year, you know the Spurs were still able to make a run and make the playoffs. What would incentivize them to give the Lakers a chance to supplant them in in the you know in in the power structure out in the West? Well, it, it, Look at it from the scenario in comparison states. I know it didn't work out. You look at who has who's gonna have the best deal out there for you. So if 
Boston, Philadelphia, they'll be negotiating from a position of strength for the most point. They can hold off to make their best offer to see what else is out there, out there for them. They kind of like to your to your previous point about why you know having to give up so much because of what you what you mentioned, the injury history and the fact that he can opt out next year. So if by chance in, that, in this type of scenario, if the Lakers offer the best possible deal that's out there, you, you know, I mean, you can't, you know, the old saying was that cut off your nose, spite your face. Mm-hmm. That's the best deal. You got to make the best deal. And you got to trust in the fact that what you have in your franchise and your organization that no matter who you're going to bring in, you're still going to be competitive and it's going to help you give you flexibility moving forward. And then you might have to reassess, like look at a scenario where like a LaMarcus Aldridge, if we make that type of deal with the Lakers, we might have, might have to kind of cut bait with LaMarcus Aldridge and get more assets and kind of really start the whole rebuild. But those assets, because you look at, let's say, in that scenario, you get the pick that the Lakers got, the Cleveland pick, things like the 26 pick. You get, let's say it's Brandon Ingham and, uh, and Kyle Kuzma. So you got those two cats, young cats. You got the, another first rounder. And let's say anything like Josh Hart. So you got another young cat. So three young cats, plus your draft pick. Brandon Ingram was a top two pick. Kyle Kuzma, you saw what he can, like, even though he was a lower first round pick, he showed what he can do. You see, kind of see flashes of what Brandon Ingram would do. You trust your development staff. You add those two young cats to what you got, like in DeJounte and Murray, how he's developed. You say, okay, we lost Kawhi, and he's going to the Lakers. We made the Lakers better. But now we have flexibility moving forward to really. You know, take our franchise forward, moving forward, and be competitive. And continue to be competitive, not just for the past 20, 21 years ago, but, but continue that down, down the line. Because we got two young cats who have high upset, plus another draft, plus another you know, draft pick. Like you, you can prove it. Like you, you getting yourself assets, giving yourself flexibility, even regardless if it's a fact that's coming that you're helping your your, your conference rival improve. That's that'll be the scenario that I can see it could work out for the Spurs. And Spurs may actually, you know, negotiate with the Lakers and move them to LA. So like we we know we're helping them get better, but we also put ourselves in a situation where we can continue to be better, mm-hmm. not just the short term and the long term as well. Because we can't hold on to this because we're going to deal with the Lakers and lessen our flexibility and lessen the type of return we could get. If we make a move now, and that's the best deal that's out there. That's the way you can look at it. Yeah. But I understand completely what you're saying. Like, what incentive do they have to deal with the Lakers? Somebody that's not only in a conference, but a conference rival has been away for the past like 10, 15 years. So here's a, here's a, uh, another scenario I'm going to throw out to you and see what you think about the. The, the viability of this type of scenario. What if what if Cleveland says, you know what? <laughs> we got a lot of you pit. How about 
we get on the phone. You no, know, Kobe often gets on the phone with, uh, you know, with San Antonio. I said, we'll give you a lottery pick. Any future, you know, unprotected pick. And whatever like, type of salary fill you can get to bring Kawhi over to Cleveland. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I think um, I think that ship has sailed for several reasons. Uh, one, obviously, I'm not there, but it's been a lot of talk that you know LeBron's family, you know, his wife wants wants to leave Cleveland, and they got their home in LA. I know they, Gary Payton was saying something about his kid going to LA, possibly for school the year after. But I think he just needs out of Cleveland because it's like if you bring Kawhi to Cleveland to try to keep LeBron there and he's not 100% and LeBron is just screwed and stuck with the same batch of cats he had already. Um, you know, that supporting cast is just not enough that they had there. And obviously they can change some of the pieces, but then they got to still do the battle on the East against Boston and Philly just to have a chance to get to a final before they go against a Houston or, or, or uh, Golden State. I just, I don't, I don't think Cleveland, I don't think Cleveland's an option for LeBron. Even, you know, I don't know. Um, I mean, it'd be interesting to see them two partner together, but if they do it, it, it ain't going to be in, um, it's not going to be in uh, Cleveland. I I don't think so. Like, I think he's kind of, you know, he did his time. I think he's ready to move on. But let's, but let's look at it, look at it from this perspective, though. Like, the kind of kind of what you're saying. Like, if he's open to play with, with Kawhi and, like, I said, L.A., whether the Lakers or the Clippers, what the case would be. If Kobe Altman comes to LeBron and say, look, LeBron, we got this done on the table to bring Kawhi here and keep Kevin Love if that's possible. Mm. Um, you know, we did our due diligence, you know, checks out. You know, what I mean, and he, LeBron may already know that you know, Kawhi, you know, Kawhi looks like he's going to be healthy next year. Blah blah. We got this on the table. Mm-hmm. We, before we go through with this deal, all we need is your. I mean, you saying are you committing to stand in Cleveland? Mm. Mm. Now, in that scenario, you see what what Cleveland could do with that roster, with just LeBron and Kevin Love. Yeah. To the finals, you got swept. You add Kawhi to to you know into that into that fold. They still might not be good enough to play go to beat Golden State. It probably be more competitive. Mm-hmm. But realistically, like a lineup. Where Kawhi LeBron and Kevin Love are your top three players, you still be looking at that lineup and still think it won't be as good, if not still better than a Boston and a Philadelphia. Well, that's a lot of front court. Now, obviously, LeBron does a lot of ball handling, but who are your, who are your guards with them? Because that's a lot of front court right there. Your three, four, and your five. Um, who do you think? Like, let's let's just kind of do a mock. You know, what would what would San Antonio? Who who would they be getting back for um, to make up these salaries? You know, if they go. So let's say maybe like Tristan Thompson. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe George Hill. He came back to San Antonio because mm-hmm. his his last year on his deal. 
Mm-hmm. It's only it's only partially guaranteed for like a million dollars. So, worst case scenario, you could you could you could buy him out or waive him when it was last year of his contract and not take a significant cap at all. Actually, save probably save him money. Um, and then maybe I don't know, maybe uh, um, maybe I'm just trying to think. Well. Maybe that's might be. I'm just thinking maybe all you need because what Tristan's making this contract, mm-hmm. George Hill what he's making this year. Mm-hmm. That probably really realistically all you really need okay. in terms of then he getting a lottery pick. So look at the Cleveland's roster. Right. Yeah, I've been looking. Yeah, yeah, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin Love. Yeah, LeBron. Yeah, Kawhi. Still got Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what you think, you still got Jordan Clarkson. Right. Still got Rodney Hood. He's a he's a restricted free agent, but you could potentially resign him if you want. And Corvette. Yeah, you got Larry Nance. Larry Nance Jr. And Kyle Corvette. Kyle Kyle Corvette. So that's like your top eight. That's that's your eight man rotation, the top eight guy. I'm I'm looking at it like this though. Like honestly, all right, so it's one thing if you could get LeBron on board, but going back to Colby Altman for a second. Kawhi, you're getting you're getting Kawhi with one year left. LeBron has his player option for one year. I'm inclined to think that he would keep the one year and see how it goes. Let's see. Let's say they get to awesome. finals or lose, or get to finals and lose, and he decide, you know what, this ain't it. Now, Kawhi could say the same thing. Like I ain't staying around here without you. I'm out. So now, now Cleveland has no. LeBron and no Kawhi after next season, it'd be like betting on just having them for one year each. And if it don't work, now you're back to lottery status. Their GM well, not want to take that chance. But they're going to be back to lottery status, like regardless. <laughs> take that chance. Like it don't even matter. And then in this in this scenario, at least you're getting up, get off some money. Yeah. You know, Tristan Thompson's contract. That's true. You can get yourself some flexibility now. Using that using that lottery pick, but why not take that game? Well, let but me just be a long status regardless. Regardless, this ain't basketball related, but let's just throw this out here because I mean I, I don't know, you know, Kawhi seemed like a pretty low key dude, pretty modest dude. Um, you know, his handlers trying to get him, let's say, back to an LA or somewhere. Maybe he don't want to be in the small market. I mean, he was in San Antonio for a while. That's that's a very successful team in the small market, but still a small market. Does he want to go to a Cleveland? You know, does he does he want to be in Cleveland? That's what I'm saying. Like in that scenario, it would be like the understanding, like, oh, even though I'm going back to a small market, playing still playing a small market, I get to go go east, yeah, and compete and compete for a championship. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, and and it's with one of you know the number one player in, in the league. Um, so. Like, so again, even though you're in a smaller market, your profile isn't shrinking any less because you, you all see like with it, you're playing next to LeBron. ESPN is going to be talking about you all the time. Fox Sports One will be talking about you all the time. You're going to probably be playing on, you know, I mean, on national TV about about 20 times during the course of the year. You're probably going to be playing on Christmas. You're going to be all the profile games and being on that team. Like you're probably going to make the finals again. 
So your profile isn't going to be any less. If not, it might be heightened by playing on that team. So from like a non-basketball standpoint, he's getting more exposure. This is getting, this is just like all things being equal, kind of playing it out. That that type scenario, how it could you know eventually play out for him if that was you know option. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, one I just put like one one additional layer. Um. We ain't touched on with the Clippers. And that's probably the last thing we touch on. Mm-hmm. But the Clippers say, okay, we got the 12th and the 13th pick. We got Tobias Harris. Um, maybe like a Patrick Beverly. And we give you another like future first round pick. Clippers, huh? See, I just think the West, I think the West is too um it's too crowded to be trying to do some upstart, some like <laughs> if you go go to a team. Plus, plus, I don't know. You know, Doc Rivers has kind of lingered with the Clippers for a while. Would he be willing to? Because you know how it is. I mean, wherever LeBron go, he's gonna respect the coach, but he's going to put his imprint. Is Doc Rivers? Is Doc Rivers going to be okay with LeBron pretty much saying your son, you know, like, like the times? Yeah, I'm not even son. saying LeBron. I'm talking about just Kawhi from a Kawhi oh, perspective. Kawhi. Oh, okay, I thought you meant with the both of them joining. Okay, if it's, it's just Kawhi. Kawhi with the Clippers, I mean, I guess depending on where his head at. Like, I mean, if he just if he just intent on being home in L.A. and it don't matter, you know, it, he ain't going to be enough to make the Lake to the Clippers be like contender status. They'll be better. But they're not going to be like any, like, you know, top five, top four, top five. Maybe, may, I mean, I don't know. Let me figure. Houston, uh, you got Houston. You got you got the Warriors. You probably got Utah. Um, at least those four. Yeah. You know, the Kings. Uh, I don't want to rush them, but the Kings are going to be better next year. The Kings are going to be better next year. You still got the Thunder for what it's worth. The Clippers, still are, the Clippers are still in that six, seven, you know, five, six, seven range. I don't see them above it. You know, still got Portland. Like it's crowded in the West, so I'm like to pick Clippers. What, the the King, you said the Kings. I said the, the Kings are going to make the playoffs next year. They might be like an eighth seed or something. Yep. The Kings. The Kings. Let's let's. let's. Let's peel back the layers on this. That's my that's my that's my bold prediction. Okay, that's my bold. Yes, that is a hot. That is that is a. Hot, <laughs> they're gonna make the eight, they're gonna make the AC man. They're gonna make the AC. The that. Kings, the same, the same Kings that uh, that traded down to get was the the Greek dude, and, and then out of the league. Well, you got you got Buddy, you got the Aaron Fox. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, let's see who they pick this year. But, uh, Number two pick. All right, <laughs> they they can make this. They, they can push. They can push for. All right, let me say this: they're gonna get to within the eighth seed. They might be in that ninth, tenth range and fight for the eighth going down the stretch. But they're gonna be in that eight, nine, ten range, right? The okay, so so okay, so let's let's so let's go a little bit further. So, <laughs> got Golden State, got Houston, yeah, got Utah. 
We got uh, yeah, Portland, New Orleans, New Orleans, right? So okay, already five. Got Oklahoma City, All right? That's six. Um, what was made to play? Oh, Minnesota. That's what I'm saying. The Clippers ain't Clippers ain't climbing climbing the ladder. The Clippers just missed that missed out on it. The Nuggets just missed. They came down to the last game of the season. Yeah, before they missed the playoffs. So that's that's eight teams right there. I didn't even mention the Spurs. I don't know what's gonna happen with them. <laughs> All right, who else? The Lakers were better than the Kings last year, even with their young guys. Like it was significantly better than the Kings last year with their young guys. So let's say that the, let's say the Lakers just a status quo next year. The young guys. So it's that nine or ten? That's like nine. That's like almost almost ten. Okay. Um, Portland. I forgot Portland because Portland made the playoffs this year. I thought you mentioned them already. No, I didn't even mention Portland. So that's so ten. I- that's ten right there. So you saying, man, they only got leap three of those teams. Not including as bad as Phoenix was, you know, being better better worse than Phoenix. Memphis, we forgetting. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll get Conley and Gasol back plus that plus the number four pick in the draft. So that's my skepticism right there. But I, I, I want to, I want to sell me on this. Sell me on this. I, I'm going to buy King stock. You want to buy King stock? All right, all right. Maybe so, buy the King stock. So, let me pull this thing out real quick. Okay. Let me go a little further. I'm really banking on the Aaron Fox being a being a stud for them. Next year. All right. So they got Fox. We got Zach Randolph in, in a in a he's more so a leadership role player right now. But you got you got Shump, you got the Aaron Fox, you got Buddy Hyde, um you got Bogdanovich, the other Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich and Harry Giles. <laughs> All right. Harry Giles, you bring Harry Giles in the conversation. Um, Vince Carter was a free agent. I don't know what he's doing, but um, they might be able to add a couple, like you know, a couple one year deals to kind of just you know work. It'd be like a working class type of team, man. You know, just, Sacramento. Uh, <laughs> all, right. all right, so this is being recorded. It'll be saved, it'll be saved for posterity, it'll be in the internet archives until. This time next year. Yeah, let's let's revisit it in September, when when camp is breaking for you know when camp. Is breaking. So September we revisit it, and then we will play it back. You know, I mean, in June of 2019, and we were talking about how the Kings, even though they got swept by Golden State, they played four hard games against Golden State, especially when they played the two games in the. The golden one or the golden crust arena, whatever it's called. Right. I can't call it Arco anymore. <laughs> yeah, so 
So that's, that's what we're going to be talking about a year from now. The four hard games they played against Golden State and how they're going to look moving forward in the future. Because they they're probably going to draft. Let's say they're going to draft Luka Doncic or Robert mm-hmm. Bagley or Mo Bamba or somebody like that, or Jaron Jackson Jr. And one of those players is going to be like, oh, we're going to be like, rookie of the, that's going to be the rookie of the year. Yeah, you can yeah. sit here and be like, man, you were, you were on to something with that team. I didn't see it coming. Yes. Yes. And I will probably have a couple edibles, too, <laughs> make as well. But, all right, I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to hold you to it. That was one of the hottest takes that I've ever heard you ever made in the 20-plus years I've known you, so. I'm running with it. I'm going to take pride in it. I'm going to take pride in that one. <laughs> you got to wear that one. I don't want to let you down. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so moving from that, we kind of, you know, exhausted the whole free agent situation. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of recap the whole, uh, the finals. So right. <laughs> start with game one. And go as well start at the beginning. Start somewhere. So were, were you watching the game? Yes. Yes. So when George Hill missed that first free throw, I'm I'm sorry, missed that second free throw, Mm -hmm. GR Smith got the rebound. What were your your thoughts as you were watching that whole scenario unfold? Okay. So, you know, JR got the rebound. You know, because when you watch, you know, when I'm watching it live, I didn't really have time to think of the scenarios in my head. So, Fine, yes. A lot of the times somebody might get it and put it right back up. I didn't even have an issue with that part yet because I know a lot of the times when it's LeBron on the floor, you know, with certain teams, everyone's looking to pass it and give it to the other guy. So when he gets it, I see him scrambling. I'm like, all right, he's trying to set somebody up to maybe come off a curl. Never mind you that they don't need three points, but I'm like, all right, I just figured he's looking for somebody to set up. But when he kept going past Brian and I'm seeing you know I'm seeing the Brown clapping for the ball and I'm still thinking that he's setting somebody up for the shot and maybe just lost track of how many seconds were on the clock but as it unfolded and you know you realize what he really was doing it was just crazy but but, but before that let me just say in that sequence when he tried to make that last ditch attempt to, to um I think that was Hill in the corner and it got blocked I'm like, they lost. Like, I knew that if it go to overtime, they going to lose because it was set up. It kind of reminded me of, um, in some ways, it kind of reminded me of 2001 game one with the Sixers and the Lakers where you're a big-time underdog on the road. Your star player plays a hell of a game, and you get to steal one before you leave. They had that same script set up the way LeBron set it up. And even with the free throws, um. You know, that charge being re, uh, re reviewed was wrong. The call was right. The call was right because his right foot was moving. But from what I understand, that wasn't a reviewable. That wasn't what should have been reviewed. What should have been reviewed was whether or not he was inside the circle. So that getting overturned was unfortunate. But even with that, because when, when Hill, when Hill, when that last sequence happened, I didn't know he got fouled at first. I thought they just blew it. So I, I didn't think they were going to give him the call. So when he got the two free throws, I'm like, all right, at least he got a chance here. And I'm thinking he's going to make both of them. So when he missed the first, um, I mean, when he made the first, I'm like, cool. I'm not even thinking of him missing it. 
So JR gets it. That whole sequence happens. I knew that LeBron had put too much in. He was already spent. So if it was going to be one, it had to be one in regulation. As soon as it went to overtime, yeah, you just knew the momentum was gone. Like even before yeah. they started dropping the threes, I'm like, this is over, man. That's why, like in my my case, like I was like, for the most part, I was sitting down watching the game. Like, like I was in my room or whatever watching it. When JR got the rebound, I leapt from my bed and I'm screaming to you, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? Like, what's like, what are you doing? Right. Like, it was only like four or five seconds, but it felt like like five or ten minutes. Yeah, it did feel long, man. It did feel long. Like, like I couldn't believe it. And like, like I couldn't believe it, but I could believe it because it was J.R. Smith. Right. Like as, as cliche as that made now. Same with all the memes and stuff like that, but if it was anybody on the court or anybody like in that building you think would make a mistake like that, it would be him. Uh, the other two would have been JaVale McGee or, or Swaggy P, but they won't go and stick it. Right. But like you said, like I was with you, man. Like you knew it was over at that point. Like once they didn't get a shot off with the overtime. It was a right, like everybody knew it. LeBron obviously you know it too. Yeah, too. They bailed him out, man. They gave him a gift because the Warriors knew they played like crap. They knew that they just they knew they uh, got a freebie there. They just you know that 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 game was lost. I mean, they were shooting horribly. Um, no, but no, not even. I don't even think they were shooting horribly. Like that was the best game Keevan played all season. That was a legit, legitimately well played game. Like when everybody was expecting that, usually Golden State third quarter run happened. Cleveland was studded because they actually played well. They actually played defense. They were studded. It was right there. Then they came right back in the fourth quarter, regained the momentum, and was neck and neck with them. So I think Golden State legitimately played. They didn't play that A, A minus, A or A plus game. It's like a B plus game for them. Mm-hmm. Like, because, like, in the flip side, you're talking about them playing badly. Game three was a. The, the, the worst game they could have played was fortunate for them. They had Kevin Kevin Durant playing maybe like one of the best games I've ever seen yeah, since the bronze game one in the finals. Like the shots he was hitting was ridiculous, man. Like in it got to a point. I know I didn't kind of switch switch it to game three. It got to a point, regardless of who was playing and who you, who put a hand in his face, you knew he was going to make it. Because it was it happened so frequently over the course of that game, yeah. it was like he was he was playing a different game than everybody else. Right. It's really a I hate to use the word fair, but it's really like an unfair advantage when you see him, especially on this team. Like you got this six ten, six eleven dude who who could shoot, you know, silky shots. Like it's like there's no defending that man. Like he 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 moves quick. He can do a he can do a pull up. I mean, he could do pretty much everything, and he always hits the timely daggers that just like kill kills the run, kills the momentum. Like I swear, like every time the red shoot it, make it. That's when some, that's when the timeout get called. Like he be icing yeah. games, right? Like in the funny thing about Game Three when 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 KD hit those couple shots at the, in the first half. That's when I thought to myself, like, oh, the game is over. Yeah, it's over. It's still down by seven, right. but you knew the game was over. Uh, like, Cleveland played as, as, 
as well as he possibly could play, all things considered. Built the double-digit lead and everything. And just like that, they lost. Yep. Lost that double-digit because you knew that you knew the third quarter run was going to come for sure and it came and they still that was again they they will sit it again for the most part got back in it but you felt it coming mm-hmm. like that game is it's probably easier to say now but i'm watching again like oh it feels just like game three last year mm-hmm. it was like deja vu yeah but the crazy thing about that is like Going back to game one, that changed that 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 was the whole series right there. Because yeah. if it's if they leave if they leave Oakland tie one one, the complexion of the, the complexion of the series just changes so much in the feel of it. But it was like so demoralizing after that first game where it's like a zero one deficit felt like zero two already or a zero three. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was worth like, two, like worth like two games in one. Yeah, yeah, it's like that's how it is with these Warriors teams. Kind of like you're just saying because of them third quarter runs. Like, a 25 point deficit for them is like a five point deficit to other teams. Um, yeah, and and when they go up like 10, that's like being up like 30 for everybody else because that's yeah, just how like, so like, man. Like I remember when the Sixers played them. Yep, I think it was the first, not the second game. And we were up like twenty something that half, and it's like I knew they were gonna make a run, but damn, like, I didn't think it was gonna be like that. You know what I'm saying? But that's what they do, and they ended up winning by like twenty. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So right, so it was like a forty point swing. It's like they, it's like they're like, all right, no panic. We only down twenty. It's, it remind me of the way the Lakers used to be in the two thousands, the way they would just turn on the switch. But except this is like more lethal with the shooting. So it's like they. They 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 are the epitome of hitting the switch. Like them dudes don't have any urgency at this point because they know they know what they had. So yeah. Like all right, let's go. And all of a sudden you blink, they'll literally make like four straight threes, um, you know, without the other team scoring. So all of a sudden, you know, twelve point swing. Like that's that's just how it goes, man. And it's like once that crowd gets in it, it's over too. Like when they home, home you know, them little runs, you can forget about it, man. You can forget about it. That's why it was so important in that game one. Like if Cleveland could have stole that game one, it's the crowd's not the same going into game two, and the Warriors got to at least exert a little more energy now because they have to win versus the cushion. They had that cushion of being up a game or two. It's different, man. Like they can they can do different things. They ain't have to press for anything. Um, yeah. That game one really just changed. Like you knew it was, you knew they were gonna win in like five or six. But when they lost that game one, it shrunk to being four or five right there. Yeah. And then like you look, go back to game two. When they came out, made that first seven shots. Huh. It was like Cleveland was playing. Like Cleveland responded well. Yeah, game two, but like you said, the switch that Golden State has, nobody other team, no other team in the league has that switch. They don't have that cheat code, man. Well, that's just what I'm saying, though. Listen, I, all right, yeah, they didn't shoot poorly in game one, but it was subpar for this standard. So that's yeah. was even more the reason you have to steal it because you knew they were going to come back in game two like that because they didn't do that in game one. So you knew that was going to happen. Like Curry had a subpar game. You know, Clay hit a few. Durant was so-so, but Curry had a subpar game in game one. So it was no, like, oh, this is, this is where you steal it. 
He actually played well in game in game one. That's the crazy thing. Where him and Thompson didn't during that game. That was that was game three. I thought parts of game one they didn't know. So game one, Clay Thompson got in foul trouble a little bit early. Mm-hmm. Got three fouls early. But he stayed in the game. But he still played well. He got hurt. You know, he got hurt. The high ankle spring got foul trouble. Oh, got yeah, that right, right, yeah. But he still played relatively well. Because he, he played the rest of the game, Curry played well. Because that's when they were still talking about the whole narrative of Curry winning the MVP. This is all the game one. Durant, even though he still scored like twenty six, he still he was inefficient twenty six. They were still have, talking about the Curry over in the Houston series, but all three of them were in the twenties in game one. That's that shows you how. Like you to your point again, like that's like a B plus game for them, and that three like three best offensive players mm-hmm. still score up as up as a twenty twenty five points individually. Game three was a game that Cleveland, I mean, realistically should have won, but you knew they wasn't going to win because of everything that happened in game one. Because Clay got in foul trouble again, play horribly, and Steph played horribly up until like those last two shots that he hit that you saw coming a mile away. Got that layup, then he hit that bag of three. Like it was like scripted. And the same thing back and go back to game two. He said, Golden State smacked them in the mouth. Cleveland played reasonably well. Golden State kept them at arm's length for the majority of the game. Then Steph just went. Steph did the Steph thing, hit that the shot at the end of halftime. And then he took over the fourth quarter and put the game out of reach. It was a 20-point game. Like, it's like unfair, man. It's like you could be in it, in it, in it. Steph hits like two hits like three ridiculous three-pointers in a row. Yeah, you know I mean, Clay hits a three, Katie hits a three. Next thing you know, you're down by 25 and you bring it in. You bring it at uh, you got your, your 10th, 11th, 12th men into the game. That quick. And then game four, like game four didn't even matter at that point. It was down 3 0. Game, game four was like a mere formality. <clears throat> so, like, with all that, looking at Golden State, you know, three of the past four years, especially these last two years. Mm-hmm. I know, even though you're primarily a Sixers fan, I know that you were somewhat of a Laker fan growing up as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then you know we all grew up watching those, you know, those '90s Bulls. Not saying they could beat any of those teams. Yeah, different eras, different eras. So you know, they could beat them, but comparing them, like, okay, you look at what they've done. To this point, you know, three out of four years, four straight finals. Mm-hmm. The Lakers, three straight chips. You know, four finals in five years. The Shaq and Kobe Lakers. And then those Bulls teams, you know, six chips in eight years, you know, th- you know two, you know, three peaks. Mm-hmm. so how do they, in your opinion, how you think they look or stack up against those, like, those two, like, those last two most recent times. Well, I think a lot of the times when you're in it, 
it's a little different, kind of like with presidents. Kind of feel like as his as time moves on, you can appreciate things better in sports and and look at it a little different. Um, I'll say this: three, you know, three out of four. You can't dispute three out of four. I think if they get a three peat, that puts them in the upper echelon. You know, the Lakers did a three peat, the Bulls did a three peat. The one knock that you, you know, out of that whole Spurs thing, we always said the one knock always on the Spurs. They never, they never were able to do back to backs. It was always on odd years for a while, except for the one against the Heat in fourteen. So they would often do like them every other years. Um, but to get back to two is to get back to two was hard, which the Spurs did do the one year um, when they, uh, you know, won yeah. one and then lost one to Detroit. Um, I mean, no, as a matter of fact, the other way around, Detroit went to two straight. And then the Spurs did it with the Heat. It's hard to get to, let alone win to. So, and, and, if, and, if, and if Draymond Green doesn't get ejected, this might be a four-peat already. It might be a four-peat already, if, if we're being honest. But if they can get the three-peat, you, you got to give them their due as far as one of the great, great runs in the NBA. Um, somebody did online, I saw a couple of days ago, they looked at their four straight finals, and then they looked at uh, Boston's last set of four straight finals when they had the eight-peat back in the 50s and 60s. And the stats, and even those different errors, the numbers for the Warriors' production in these four years was uh, comparable to what the uh, what the Celtics did in those four years' uh, consecutive finals. If they can get three-peat, and you can say four out of five, you definitely got to elevate them. It's a shame for them that they weren't able to capitalize on the 73 and 9 because that, that makes you legendary. Like the 72 and 10 Bulls, like even though the, that whole – if you look at the whole roster, maybe the first six or seven names are impressive. After that, it ain't really much. But 72 and 10 is special. I mean, that's something that you can say and you know what it is. Like if you just – if you say 72 and 10, everybody know who you're talking about. You're talking about the Bulls. Like that's that's a special accomplishment. Kind of like with the uh, Dolphins, fourteen and zero. Um, it's a special something. Had they had that on their belt too, obviously they'd be having three or four in a row already. But I think you can you can already say they're one of the best teams because it's in a different era. I don't think they get as much respect, and I think for me, the feel is a little different because, like in the past, with some of them teams we mentioned, like. The players were like older than us, so we were kind of like looking up, so to speak, to those players when you were watching like the Bulls and Lakers. But in the league now, everybody's younger than us. It just feels different. So I don't look at them as like legends or 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 um, these like mytho- mythological guys. Like before, you know, there was like more mis- to, to me. It seemed like there was more mystique when you see these champs. But I think that just might be the lens of how I was looking at it at that yeah. age, at that age, you know. So. What the what the Warriors are doing is definitely, you know, it's definitely something. I think it'll be appreciated a lot more uh, later. And if they add on, like if they add, you know, four or five or six, you know, you got to give them their due. With that said, just because they'll have the four or five and six don't mean that, you know, Curry or anybody else could be like put in like an MJ category on individual play. But as a team, yeah, I mean, that's you can't take nothing away from that. But if they had did the seventy three and nine, I think that really would have made them legendary. I mean, yeah. this is still this is still special because I've heard a couple of theories out there, and and you know I'm not going 
take anything away from them, but you know, they've they've benefited from good timing, you know, in different years. Like the first year against the Cavs, no love, Kyrie gets hurt. You know, second year um against the Cavs, you know, obviously they lost. Last year, they beat, you know, they got a breeze in the conference finals because Kawhi Leonard was out. Um, you know, they've they've had a few breaks along the way. And not, to, not to say the other teams haven't, but I'm just saying. I'm saying like, you know, most teams do. Like, that's usually how, you know, teams in the winter championships, like, you got to be good or great, then catch a break here and there. Sure, sure, sure. Just like when Isaiah Thomas was hurt the one year in the finals and different things. So, yeah, I got yeah. a problem with that. But um, I think I think you can start to compare them. Obviously, you know, with the Bulls having three different, I mean, two sets of three-peats, that's in its own class for modern time. Two sets of three-peats, six out of eight. Uh, you know, that that's that's very rare. Um, but when I look at, like, retrospect, the Lakers of the 80s went to the finals eight out of ten years. Like, they killed the 80s. Um, they won, you know, they won five championships in the decade and, and went to the finals eight out of ten years. That was, that was special. Um, you know, the Celtics of the 80s won three out of, I think, four. Five appearances. Yeah, because um, yeah, I know them and, them and the Lakers went back and forth a few times. So it's like, and even with theirs, not to get too off topic, you know, um, you know, injuries. Father Time kind of caught up with them, and when Detroit got started, and then Father Time kind of started to catch up with the Pistons when the Bulls got started. I mean, it's just the way it goes. I, you know, I'll give the you know, I'll give the Warriors their due, but I just again I just still feel like people give them too much. Um, I think teams give them too much respect or there's too much fear uh, when they're on the court, and it's like, but they they have a good game plan. It just seems but it was it was the same thing with with the with the Lakers in the two thousands and the Bulls in the nineties. Yeah, like it it was done differently. Yeah, they both had that that switch was like. The opposing team, like, you know what, I'm good. Right. Especially like that um, 70, 72 and 10 Bulls team. Most of those games were over with, like like the Golden State Warriors team. Yeah. By the, thir- by the, by the third, fourth quarter. Yeah. Then you see Mike and Sky on the bench chilling yep. and cracking jokes and shit. Right, right, with towels and Gatorade. <laughs> Gatorade cracking jokes and shit with the shoes off and everything. Just Rodman stretched out on the floor with his shoes off and stuff. You know what I mean? Then with the Shaq, Kobe Lakers. I mean, it's a little bit different, but you know how it is with Shaq. Shaq is cruising along. Yeah. Somebody followed him too hard, so somebody talked shit to him. Then it's a wrap. Yep. Shaq turned on, can't nobody go out Shaq, the game is over. That was that. He, Shaq was that own personal switch. Yeah. Shaq was ready to play, game was over. Because, you know, Kobe's going to do what he's going to do throughout the whole, you know what I mean, throughout the whole game, throughout the whole season, just because he is, and Insecurities that he had to probably trick him to play as hard as he did. Right. But Shaq was the personal switch. Shaq, yep. Shaq, you know what? It's over as a rat, and then it's over as a rat. But so it's like the same. It's the same. It's different, but it's the same. Yeah. That's what will make those teams great. And it's funny, like kind of talk about Kobe. You know, kind of when we talk about the last podcast, how Kobe himself now is trying to. You know, he has everybody talking about, you know. LeBron, Mike, Mike, LeBron, Kobe's trying to like finagle and like squeeze his way. Yeah. 
conversation, but he's like, like he still belongs at the, at the little kid table of Thanksgiving, man. Like, <laughs> like he's he's not. Kobe was a great player, but Kobe's not part of that conversation, man. I, was, no. I said it before, I'm gonna say it again. If you want to bring anybody else in the conversation, you can bring in Kareem or maybe Magic. Right. Not Kobe, man. No, no. God bless his heart, man. And, like, I don't care what anybody says, like, them whole detailed things he got on ESPN. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great. It's a great concept. It's a great theory to have, you know, you know, NBA player or former player break yeah. down film. Yeah. Kind of give you that kind of insight. But it's like with each of those those film sessions that Kobe has, even though I know he's trying to do it, He's he's trying to do it from the perspective of the player that he's talking about, mm-hmm. but it's never from that player's perspective. It's always from Kobe's perspective. Sure, sure. It's just it's like showing how smart he is and all that. Like, if I would say like you got to kill him, you got to attack him. Right. Like if I was doing, I would do it like from from the mid post. Got to attack him right. from the mid post or right. from the post. Like no, Kobe, that's the shit that you did, man. Well, yeah. that is part of the whole point of it, though. It's like it's like insight. It's like it's like giving insight of how he thinks. You know, even though it's called, you know, even though it's that analysis segment, it's really like giving you a snapshot of from his lens. You know, obviously, yeah, then then said then then let it be like how it is. Like, you know, I mean, it's no different. It's a different platform, but it's no different than when you got, you know, any other former players sit behind a desk, breaking down like the games and stuff like that. How they usually or the highlights stuff like that. How they usually do. Yeah, yeah. It's framed a little bit different. I give him, I want to take nothing from him because it's a creative concept. It's a way for him to stand out from doing what other former players do. Right. But he's still, because he's such a narcissist, (laughs) back to him. him. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, like, I want to see, like, when I I envisioned it, it's like, okay, looking at him review, like, Jason Tatum, you know, breaking down Jason Tatum's film. Like you breaking it down, like Santa's flaws and stuff like that, and what he actually can do as Jason Tatum to like kind of overcome those shortcomings or those flaws, or uh, you know, I mean, overcome those mistakes that he made, improve those mistakes. Not saying, okay, this is the mistakes he's made, but this is how Kobe Bryant would overcome those mistakes. That's essentially what he's doing. Yeah. And this is my my opinion. Like I could be wrong. It's going to be all conjecture on my part. That's about it. Like, it's, he's too much of a narcissist to do something like that, in my opinion. But neither here nor there. But anyway, getting back to the last point, like Kobe to chill, man. Like Kobe and Kobe in the Kobe stands and stuff like that. They need to chill a little bit. They ride, they ride hard for him. That's what you're supposed to do. That's your favorite player. But let's be real, Kobe. Kobe was a good, was a very good player. Very good, player. great player, Hall of Fame player. But how, how can I put it? You know how when you know when, when Puff was on top, you know what I mean you had to have that 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 bad boy remix. Like Kobe was a mediocre bad boy remix of MJ. <laughs> like you know, what I mean MJ was already the goat. You try to remix him, like he came the closest to anybody trying to remix it, but yeah. it was like okay, like you come this close. Like, I'd rather just sit and watch, like, the, the original. You know what I mean? 
Like, I'd rather listen to the original track. I don't, we didn't need that remix. Okay, yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. I was, I'm good. I'm good on the remix. Like the, the original, original song was that great. We didn't need a remix. You tried hard. You did your best. Like, I mean, it was a, it was a good track. It would look, if I judge it for what it is, it's a good track. It's a good song, but we didn't need it. It was unnecessary. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like, again, like, uh, especially I appreciated. You know, late stage Kobe, more so I appreciate early stage Kobe. But still, like LeBron, LeBron, MJ, Kareem, yeah. Magic. If I want to like really talk about who's like the greatest player of all time, those would be conversations with me. I have personal bias with Magic because he's always was like my favorite basketball player growing up still mm-hmm. But and Kareem, like I would really ride hard for Kareem, but I mean, I didn't see him until he was at the end of his career. You know, right, right. You know, 86, 87, 88. That's why I remember Kareem. Yeah. yeah. Well, while we're on that topic of Kareem, because um, you know, when you look at it, you know, if if LeBron stays healthy for about five or six more seasons, he has a chance of catching him. But that's that record is. That's like Mount Everest, man. Like to catch yeah. a team's record. Now, granted, he played twenty. He played uh, over twenty, played 20 years. Year. He played twenty years, but um, man, I mean, his his numbers like ain't nobody catching that, man. That's, I mean, he's way way ahead. Like, there's a big gap between number one and number two. Like, yeah. even close. Like, LeBron will have to play. I think it's like six more seasons. Like, it's like it was like four, or five. It was like five, like five years. Yeah. So, take him up to his twentieth year, he could. Real, he could. I don't want to say realistically, but he have a shot. Yeah, have a shot. Cause it's cause it's the health and the production. Like he could play six more years, but he got to stay healthy, and he still got to put up, you know, at least twenty something a game or whatever the average is. Like yeah. that that Kareem number is. Uh, I, I don't think anybody ever gonna touch that, man. I don't think so. Now, obviously, you have to consider how the game used to flow through the big man. You know, the style of the game at the time always went through the center first and that's probably how he got a lot of his points and his high percentage points but still ain't nobody touching that record man and that's and that's one of the reasons why obviously people that grew up watching him could call him the goat for that reason you know the 20 years the five mvps um you know the scoring title i mean the scoring leader you know so you got people for his then you got the Oscar Robinson people that look at him averaging the triple double. And then of course, you know, MJ had a kind of have a combination of the, the accolades, the titles, um, the stats, and then, and then the visuals, like, you know, he, he was the face of the league and the, and, yeah. and, and trans and transformed the game, you know, as far as image. So it's like, you have all them different arguments for them dudes, but all in different eras. So it's like, like we said before, it's, it's pointless. It's pointless to argue different eras. You know, there's never, there'll never be an equivalent. You know, and they never played at the same time. Um, so all you can do is kind of do the, you know, who's the best MCs. But you, you can, you can, you can put a, a group of your tops, but it, it's hard to objectively quantify a number one because of the different variables and stuff. But, but um, yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, and I actually, you know, obviously I'm a Kobe fan. Shaq, I like Shaq ahead of Kobe, but obviously. Yeah, no, he's not. He's not in that discussion. It's not that wasn't his game. Like you know, LeBron's a 
as an all encompassing player. And um, no, it's not the same. It's not, it's not even close to being the same. The one, the one thing I think that makes people even try to mention Kobe is because of the number of titles, you know, you can't ignore a guy that has five titles, but that in itself don't make you, you know, one of the tops. And that's what he always, always comes back to, comes back to when he try to inject himself in the conversation. Because well, sure. he was chasing like, MJ the whole time. His, his idol had six. He's got five. So, that, so to him, he's right up there with him. But then you got Jerry West that only won one. Elgin Baylor won zero. Yeah. So, so it's like, you know, there's more to it than, you know, yeah, I always, had one. So, you know. It's context with everything, man. Yeah. It's context with everything. But, like, he's entitled to his own opinion. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what drives them, you know, clearly. So, but, you know, it's a shame what happened with that. You know, they could have, the Lakers, that 2000 Lakers could have really, they could have really been the dynasty had, 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 uh, had his head been in the right place in 04. You know, if stuff went right in 04, you know, Shaq might have stayed on. They might have won six, seven titles together. And, and the and the narrative's different, but you know, obviously that ain't happened. So Yeah, and you know what's funny about that, like man, we probably can talk in more detail another time. But um it seemed like like when things come to an end, it's like nothing you can do about it to stop it. Yeah. Like so it's like, okay, let's say things would have went a little bit different in 04. Yeah, I mean let's say you know. Situation where Kobe didn't happen, you know, Shaq was motivated. The whole Malone, Gary Payton thing, it was a little bit smoother transition. Like, let's say they might have got that one, or maybe they wouldn't have got it. Like, it was like, it was so many different things that happened that year. Yeah. Like, it was the, the eternal thing between Kobe and Shaq was another thing. But then you remember Carl Malone got hurt during the course of the season. Yeah, yeah he missed a lot of time. It's a lot of time. And he wasn't the same player when he, even when he came back. Nah. For the finals. Nah. So it was like different things kept happening. Like they kind of let you know that it wasn't meant. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be. Nah. And the same thing with like like the lake when the Lakers run ended. Yeah. It was like like you felt it felt like something wasn't going to wasn't going to stop. But then it's like, okay, Kareem's pretty much done. Yeah. No. During that series when it got swept by the Pistons, I think James Worthy got hurt. Yeah, Robert Scott got hurt. It was like, it was like, okay, it's over. It's like it's a wrap now. Like, yeah, it's the window. Yeah, and if you remember back that year, the Lakers swept through the playoff to the Western Conference playoffs that year. So like, it really felt like, oh wow, they might do it, do it again. It might be a three peat this year. I was was a little foggy with that. To be honest with you, that's probably. That 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 series was probably when I really started paying attention to basketball like that. Like I remember watching that Lakers Pistons series, and and from there on was when I started to follow ball more. You know, obviously I don't really remember a lot about the Pistons Blazers series as much as the year before, but that's when I started paying attention to the game like that. So I, so yeah, I don't I didn't remember them sweeping through like that, but I, I you know I remember them. Uh, I remember the battle, but I don't, I don't remember what led up to it, though. But uh, no, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, so, like, they swept through the playoffs, but and so it was like, it felt like everything was going for them. Yeah. As soon as the finals started, the injuries happened. Detroit was just hungry and better and younger. 
No, that's the thing. That's that's too sometimes. That yeah. windows, man. I I still won't take it back. 2015, <laughs> the Clippers beat the Spurs. Yeah, that was the, that was their window, but it, and they made it easy for everybody else to get through because they took out they took out the Spurs. They took they took out Goliath, man, and, and couldn't get it done. Yeah, it's just to say, like y'all saw, like. It was nothing they could do about it. If, if like it was inevitable, yeah. like even if you take a step back the year before with Miami, you know, four straight finals, like that felt like it ran its course. Like everything that helped them, you look at back when they beat the Spurs in yeah. uh, 2013, everything that it took for them to win that second championship. You knew it was gonna be damn near next to impossible for him to win. You know, what I mean, the, the the following season, yeah. even though they got through the Eastern Conference playoffs. You know, what I mean, not too much of a scare. But then they got to the finals against the Spurs. Everything that possibly could happen happened. Yeah. The game was competitive. They were up on San Antonio. The air conditioner broke. Hmm. LeBron had all them cramps. Right. It was just hot, and they were just unfavorable conditions. San Antonio pulled away in that game one, and that was pretty much the end of the series. After that, yeah. they came back and won. They get they won game two against San Antonio, so the series was tied. But San Antonio was just focused, and it was just like the Heat just ran that course. No matter what they could have did, it was it was like no detriment to anybody else. It was just like the run was over. Oh yeah, when it's your time, it's your time. I mean, shoot, they almost, they were almost a, um, you know, if not for a Chris Bosh tip in a Ray Allen shot, it was almost a, they almost didn't get that one. It's like the basketball guys had, like, control more than we probably actually realize. Hmm. Sometimes it feels like. So that's like when the Golden State end going to happen, there's nothing Golden State's going to be able to do about it. Yeah. Even all that talent they got, you know, top heavy. And you kind of you can you see it a little bit when it can happen mm-hmm. because like some seeds have kind of already been planted. Yeah, like like Draymond. <laughs> yeah, with Draymond's contract up twenty twenty and not getting the he not taking the extension. You know what I mean? Clay same situation twenty nineteen. It's like you see the writing on the wall where it could, it could come apart, but here where it could get depressing. The same time those situations come up. And he Davis can opt out his contract. Yeah, I'm like, I was reading that stuff the other day. I'm like, man, don't even tell me. Don't even tell me that um that they could try to make something like that happen. Add this dude to it. I'm gonna have to I'll lie. I'll sit there and say I'm gonna turn off my TV. I'll be watching it, but um You know, it's like if something like that would have happened, it's like you got Katie and Steph at the back end of that prom. And but you, I, know what? Like, you know what you know what that's 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 when the basketball gods start to say, uh-uh. <laughs> because look at that Lakers team. It was like, ooh, they had a Carmelo. Ooh, they had a Gary Payton. People were giving them the Larry O'Brien trophy before the season started. And it usually doesn't go that way when stuff yeah. like it on paper. The whole, the, same thing. the whole season they were looking at them like that. Yeah. The same thing happened with the Lakers when they added uh Steve Nash and Dwight Howard. Yeah, 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 yeah. People were like, oh, shit, not again. The basketball guys were like, uh-uh. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ash, Ash barely played a game that season. And <laughs> uh, White was never healthy, and then nah, pretty much nah. all the Lakers fans turned on him or whatever. Yeah. Then Kobe at the end, they they the Achilles. Yeah. It was like it's like okay, we got over the Steve Nash hurdle. The White got over the Dwight hurdle. Kobe came back. You know what I mean? Like okay. Kobe was playing like Kobe, blah, blah, blah. But Kobe been a narcissist, played, didn't want to come out, wanted to play damn near every minute of every game. Hmm. What was that, that final stretch? And bang, it was a wrap. Yep. Season over. The dream over. Like, like I said, the basketball guys energetic again, man. They're undefeated, yo. <laughs> like the internet. <laughs> Internet, the internet father time and the basketball guards are undefeated, man. Yeah. As we can close it close on that note, man. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good close. But, yeah, uh, so we see how the free agency everything play out the next like like two, three weeks, the draft and everything. Well yeah. See how the draft goes because um like some people were saying, like a couple teams were trying to move up, and then people were wondering, are they moving up because they might want to get a pick that the Spurs want? So it's like a lot of pieces are in play, and and the and, um the draft is going to kind of maybe help be a, a yeah. sign of what's to come, you know, come July first. Although we'll hear about the chaos. I want the chaos. That's all I want. I want chaos. Chaos is good. The chaos is good. You know. That's all I want, man. I want trade deadline nights. So um. I expect there to be a lot of uh, Woj bombs and Shams bombs uh, next yes. week. <laughs> That's all I want, man. That's all I want. Like I want to be so much chaos that <laughs> that my wife cursed me out because I'm watching NBA TV too much. <laughs> There's so much going on, and I keep bringing it up and keep talking my head off. That's how much chaos I want, and I want. That's all I want. That's what I dream for, man. Yeah. I was I was saying this to one of my friends the other day. You know, just rewinding back to what I was saying with the Sixers. Like, on the one hand, it's like they ain't they're not they don't have to make the move, but they got to make nope. the move because of Boston. If Boston were to get LeBron or Kawhi, I would be too, you know, like you would look at it and go, Dag, like y'all didn't do enough to to keep with them. You know, because it's them too. It's yep. them too for the future. You know, this this is the jump ball right here. It's between us two. And, and I do like to see these chess moves in sports where you see one team do something to counter the other. And it's always been that way. You know, you had to get Moses Malone to finally beat the Lakers, or you had to have Andrew Tony to beat Celtics. Like you gotta you gotta go back and forth. You know, so it's like that playoff series showed us that you know even you know as much as I pump up the Sixers, they're not. The Celtics have better talent on their team as a team right now. So we got to yeah. do what we got to do to counter. And I'll be darned if you let them get Kawhi or LeBron. Do whatever you got to do. Like, you know, I, you know, I said the thing about not giving up too much, but, but <laughs> he can't, they have a lot of assets too. So I'm like, if you got to do what you got to do to prevent to prevent them from getting them, then so be it. Do what you got to do, man. Yeah, what, what good is it collecting all them assets? If you just sit on them. Right. This is this yeah. is the time, really. This is part of that process, you know. And, and and Ainge has been stockpiling his, you know, he's got the talent too now, but I know for a while he was sitting on his picks. 
He likes to amass them picks. But what better time to do it when you got a team like San Ann that needs a trade? So I'm like, nah, if we have to, because we got a lot, we got like five picks this draft. We're not going to use them all. A lot of them are second yeah. round picks. But I'm like, do what you got to do. If you can get LeBron or Kawhi, I'm not going to sit here and say both, although technically you could if you finagle it. And that would be stupid. If they, like, not stupid in a bad way, but stupid in a good way. If something like that would have happened. Yeah, like them two cats to like Embiid and Simmons. Oh, uh, now that'd be ridiculous. <laughs> I might fall like, off of work, you know, if that happened. <laughs> yo, Philly fans are insufferable. <laughs> they have a reason. They have a reason to be insufferable because all like for like twenty five years, like twenty from eighty three to two thousand eight, it was nothing. It was pretty dire in the city. So okay. had good reason. Or well, he got a chip with the Phillies. And then, you know I mean, the, the Eagles. Oh, I just let you know, you'll never. It don't even matter what happened this season. You'll never hear the end of it now because because yes. of this one. Like like even if they don't repeat, which I think they can, because of that one, uh, we'll, we'll be obnoxious for a long time. Right now, this was probably the greatest. I'm probably. I want to you know read these recently biased. This has probably has been the greatest sports year calendar year in Philadelphia sports history. Oh, oh, without a doubt, man. Without a doubt. <laughs> Eagles winning the chip. Villanova winning the national championship. You got, I don't know if the Phillies still in first place, but they went first place most of this year. You got the Flyers in the playoffs. Sixers in the playoffs. Yeah, you know I mean, even though Arena Football only got four teams, you got the Philadelphia so, but. <laughs> yeah, they won last year. No, no, the Sixers, yeah. the Sixers won in the 50 games this year after what's happened the last four is is big, man. Especially getting to the second round. Now, had they had beat Boston, it'd have been even crazier. But like I was like I was saying a while back, it had to happen this way for certain reasons. Because if we had went head to head to Cleveland and beat them or something, it would have messed up LeBron coming here. So it was better off that uh, Boston beat us and then he went to beat them um, for 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 future's sake. So so we, you know, I'm still holding out hope that we can get Brian here with the Ben Simmons and Embiid can. Yeah. This is his young boy, and, and he loves watching Embiid. So, so I'm going to hold out hope for that, although I think he'd probably go to Houston. Um, but if we can get the Kawhi thing flipping, that's good too. So so we're going to see. Yeah, I'm just mad that the real fans that went to Sixers games back when they went winning 10 games and, and 22 games got priced out the market this year, man. It's whack. It, it's true. You know what happened, though? Like three years ago, when they were still in that process, um, they were hitting me. They were calling me a bunch of times for season tickets, but I didn't pull the trigger at the time. But that, that would have been the time to lock it in back when they were still in the basement because the tickets were still, the, the season tickets were still very available and affordable yeah. back then. That and StubHub become like the official, official sponsor yeah. of the team, man. So now they, it's like, <clears throat> You can't get a deal on tickets because most times you would go to StubHub right. and get your ticket deals, but they like immediately like jack up the price like as soon as the game comes available. So it's like, yeah, unless you want to go see the see the Sixers and the Nets play, then pretty much not going to see a game. Yeah, yeah, TV is fine for now. Yeah, all right, homie. Till we meet again, we we'll do this again some other time. Yes, sir. We after uh, maybe. We started back up after the draft for free agency stuff. How about yeah, yeah, that sounds good, man. Enjoy your Father's Day too. Happy Father's Day, right, to you, man. Happy Father's Day, homie.
All right.